0: You think you've got issues? Hi, I'm Dr. Laurie Appel. Welcome to my podcast, where we will be talking about a variety of mental health issues. Because, you know, we've all got issues. So despite the efforts that most people put into their relationships, relationships do sometimes end. In fact, almost half of all marriages end in divorce. Researchers estimate that 40 to 50% of all first marriages and 60 to 65% of second marriages will end in divorce. So over the next two podcasts, I want to focus on breaking up. Now, for convenience sake, I'm going to use both the terms divorce and breakup to cover the ending of a long-term relationship. Divorce has been around for a very long time, but over the last 50 years, it's become much easier to get a divorce because the laws have changed that have made divorce more accessible to people. And this is a really good thing for people who are stuck in really unhappy situations. People were given a second chance to find a fulfilling relationship and to end toxic ones. Nevertheless, breaking up is very, very hard to do. But as with most life-changing events, it's not so much the event itself, but how people handle those events that matter the most in terms of how people survive them and even thrive as a result of them. Because breakups are so hard, I'm going to cover this topic in two podcasts. For part one of Breaking Up is Hard to Do, I'm going to focus on why relationships end and how people experience the impact of a breakup. For part two, I'm going to talk more about how to handle the emotions around a breakup and how to move on after breaking up. So first of all, why do couples break up? Some of the reasons that people give for their divorce or breakup include too much arguing, infidelity, unrealistic expectations, marrying too young, a lack of equality in the relationship, or simply falling out of love with their partner. And I think that for most couples, the ending of a relationship is more a death by a thousand cuts rather than a single blow. That is, most couples tell me that when they're considering a divorce, they've actually been growing apart or they've been unhappy for a very long time. The marriage is like a balloon that is slowly seeping out air and after a while it is just completely deflated. But then something usually happens to either intensify the issue and bring it to a head. So when couples or individuals come to me saying that they've been unhappy for a while in the marriage and are considering divorce, I have two questions for them. One is what have they done to try to improve the situation? And two, if they've been unhappy for a while, what is going on right now that is triggering them to consider divorce? So in response to what they've done to fix the problem, mostly what I get is not much because couples have been too busy with work or raising kids, etc., or that they've tried marital, marital counseling, but that the efforts that they were making in the beginning have just dissipated over time and they went back to old dysfunctional patterns usually patterns of either chronic avoidance or chronic combat mode. Now, this just emphasizes the need to get therapy earlier rather than later when problems begin so that there is still enough air in the balloon to fill it back up again and then to continue to have follow-up sessions for a long while in order to secure the gains that were made. Now, as for why now, my experience has been that mostly it's because some present life change or event has made the problems that had existed in the marriage intensify. Either someone in the marriage has strayed or fallen in love with someone else, or children have grown up and gone off to college and you're left to take a really hard look at your relationship with your spouse or partner, or some medical or health change or other event has created a shift in your perspective. Then, whatever balance had been achieved and maintained is undermined, and with it, the capacity to tolerate the marriage kind of like going from a mild toothache to a major infection. So you can probably tolerate mild discomfort for a very long time. Because this kind of chronic discomfort seems easier than the turmoil that would be created by making a drastic change in the form of a breakup, kind of like a dull pain in your tooth that you tolerate and manage with Tylenol and ice packs. However, when that dull pain gets bad enough, you're calling your dentist's office and begging for the first available appointment. You are now highly motivated to make a change because the pain is that bad. In reality, most of us won't make a drastic change in our lives unless that pain is bad enough to motivate us to do so. As human beings, we tend to tolerate chronic mild discomfort pretty well. All right, so back to your failing relationship. The dull ache of a sore tooth has now become a major pain, and you just want that pain to end, even if it means extracting that tooth. And thus, you are ready to end the relationship. The scales have tipped, and the emotional cost of still being in the relationship outweighs the fear of letting go. But this extraction is going to come at a cost, an emotional cost, that will affect both parties in both similar and different ways similar ways because all of us experience some universal feelings around loss and different because people are unique and experience similar events in very different ways. So the same event can trigger very different emotions in us that touch on our own particular hot-button issues. For instance, fear of being alone or maybe anger at perceived rejection. So we also experience different emotions because we may be in very different places with regard to the breakup. You may be the person who has been wanting to leave for a long time. In this instance, you may have been grieving the end of the relationship over a period of time and so therefore are farther along in the grieving process. You have been done, in a sense, with your partner for a long time. While your partner may be more blindsided by the end, they may have realized that problems existed but never really thought it would come to a divorce. In either case, however, even if you were the one who wanted the relationship to end, you're going to have all sorts of feelings. You're going to feel a lot of fear of the unknown of what lies ahead. You may be asking yourself questions, such as, will I ever find someone to love? Will I be okay financially? Will the kids be okay? Am I really doing the right thing? What will my family and friends think? You may also feel a profound sadness for both you, your partner, your children, your families, and your friends. You may also feel guilt over hurting your partner or anger that your partner couldn't change or meet your needs. But you may also feel hopeful and excited about the possibility of finding a more suitable person or even just relieved to be alone and not stressed any longer by a toxic relationship. The reality is is that you're probably going to feel all of these feelings at various times during the process of breaking up. Now... If you're not the one who is ready to end the relationship, but your partner is, then you're probably gonna have a lot of those same feelings, but those feelings may be layered with other feelings, such as regret, longing, a sense of rejection, and a questioning of your self-worth. All of these feelings are completely normal. Even when a relationship is no longer good or meeting your needs, ending it is extremely painful because it represents loss. Not just a loss of the relationship itself, but loss of the dreams and hopes and plans that you had as a couple. Romantic relationships begin on such a high note of excitement and end on such a low note of disappointment. Plus, breakups throw off your whole routine, changes your living situation, your financial status, your relationship with your extended family and friends, and this launches you into a big unknown that at times may feel worse than the unhappiness of the relationship and also for many of us we identify ourselves as par- being part of a couple or as a married person so breaking up leads to a whole identity change you're now a single person or a divorced person and this is an identity change that you're going to have to continually let other people know about So, many people that I see are continually reminded of the loss and the breakup because of just how many times they need to tell different people about their new circumstance. Just when they think they're done telling people, they see someone they haven't seen in a while and they hear the question, so, you know, how's your boyfriend? How's your husband? Your girlfriend? And they have to tell the story of the breakup all over again. There are also other difficult and complicated aspects of ending a relationship, especially if there are children. Because if you have children, you're definitely going to still be part of each other's lives for a very long time. And even if you don't have children, but if you live in the same community or have the same circle of friends, you're going to be interacting with each other post-breakup. So there's no real closure since that person is still existing within our lives and our world. And also, it's hard because most breakups are not really all that amicable, at least not at first After all, you're no longer trying to really work things out, so there's not as much motivation to manage conflict well. Plus, you're no longer living together and fighting or avoiding fighting on a daily basis over all sorts of little things. But the feelings of anger and disappointment are still there. So what do we do with these feelings? Often what we do is we just displace them onto other things like money or, more sadly, our children. I mean, we can't fight about who left the dishes in the sink or forgot to let the dog out anymore, but we can fight over who gets to keep the Christmas ornaments or where the kids spend Thanksgiving. Okay, so this is really, really painful stuff and stuff that you can't fast-forward through. It's a journey that you're going to have to make step by step. But I want to end this podcast on a really good note because there's some good news here. All of these feelings... That this space of transition feeds is a place where real transformation can take place if we allow it. Now, there is a word for this space. It's called the liminal space or phase, the time between what was and what is next. It is a difficult place of waiting and feeling, but not knowing. Author and theologian Richard Rohr describes this space as the place betwixt and between the familiar, however uncomfortable, and the unknown. We are leaving our old world behind while unsure of our new existence and our new place. And this place can paralyze us if we let it. But if we can learn to live with the ambiguity and the ambivalence, if we can get the necessary support, if we can take the necessary steps of reflection... If we can learn to trust ourselves, if we can boldly approach the cloud of the unknown, this liminal space has incredible potential. It can be the space where genuine newness and growth can begin. Next podcast, I'm going to be talking about how to boldly approach this unknown and how to grow and thrive within it. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Dr. Laurie, and I'll see you next podcast. Dr. Laurie Appel is a licensed psychologist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Her license and practice information is available on her website, laurieappelpsyd.com. All information provided on Dr. Laurie's podcast is solely for educational and informational purposes and is not meant to serve as psychological counseling. If you have personal issues you would like to explore, please contact a licensed mental health professional in your state.